uh, in the merry old land of Oz. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and I can't believe we're on episode 94 already. But also, today, we are talking about composer Masafumi Takada. So, I think some of you will know that name and some of you won't. I think by the end of today, uh, you will be much more familiar with his work. So, um, like I did in the last episode, I am here as a host, but... The other three people with me are the ones who actually brought the goods today. So on the show for the first time, uh, we have uh, Gio Castillo. Hello. Hello. Uh, Hi. Patrick Gann. Oh, Patrick Gann's been, Patrick's been here before. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> and also joining us for the first time, first time for him on Rhythm Encounter, is Neil Chandran. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm happy you guys are all here, and we're, uh, all three of you were, like, very excited about this topic. I don't remember who made the card or suggested the topic originally, but it kind of lingered for a while, and uh, it just seemed like the, a good time to finally jump in and do this one, because we haven't had a composer episode in a while. Yeah, it's it's been a while, and this is an interesting choice, especially because, has anyone confirmed that new game, is it Code Rain or Rain Code? Yeah, he is on it. He's going to compose for it. Yeah, when I was like, oh, this is, you know, same studio, feels like a spiritual successor of sorts to Danganronpa. I was like, I, I bet they got Takata back for that game. And so when we saw that news about a month ago, maybe, that made me even more excited to do this episode. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what prompted it. I was thinking about that. Yeah, I, I planned ahead that one. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um i didn't i didn't realize that he was on that game so that's exciting um yeah it's i think it was announced as like enigma archives but now it's the master detective archives rain code just to mess you up wow but yeah that game looks really neat anyway yes so we don't have an, a song from that on here today but we do have several other titles what uh just talk about this a little bit like like all of you like let's start with neil like what drew you to this episode well unlike some of the uh, some of my other uh panelists here i'm a relative newcomer to takada's music in fact my first and only real exposure to it was when uh i reviewed the digimon story cyber sleuth soundtrack several years ago for the site and that soundtrack just blew me away. I was like, it was like one of the best game soundtracks I'd heard in a long time. And it made me super excited for the game, which was also great. And made me want to um, seek out more of his work. Especially since a lot of the games he's composed for are games that are highly regarded RPG fan. Yeah, that's definitely true, huh? Uh, what about you, Gio? I think you were one of the first people like on this topic on this card. Yeah, um, 
Takada is like one of my favorite composers, I would say. Um, my first exposure to him was Danganronpa, and then I played... Uh, uh, he's like uh, on a bunch of Suda51 games, including a bunch of games that aren't RPGs, like uh, No More Heroes, and um, I think Killer7. And his work on those games is incredible. I'd never heard anything like it. Um, it's really good at capturing this sort of um, gritty, slightly sinister feel. And I don't know. I feel like his work has so much personality. And I I just really... I think his work is one of the few soundtracks that I actively li- listen to, like, on a daily basis, I think. Or, like, you know, with for work and stuff. It's really good for that, especially the Flower, Sun, and Rain soundtrack. Yeah, I gotta check out the rest after the song you brought on today. It seems like it'd be perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Pat? How, how far back do you go? Well, I'm probably in similar shoes to Geo in that I was very much aware of all of Masafumi Takata's work on most probably not all, but most of the Suda51 games that came out uh, throughout the early 2000s up through like 2010, I followed pretty well. Um, but yeah, the the big draw for me is most certainly um, all the Danganronpa games. I think they have some of the most interest. I mean, the sound palette used, the heavy use of vocals is just, I don't know, there's something almost intoxicating to it. And I really like that. And we'll get to this later, though, but I I probably pulled one of the earliest songs Masafumi Takata ever wrote for a video game uh, onto this show. But we'll get to that later, because it's a surprise. You definitely did, yeah. I mean, it's it's the first soundtrack that I think he's credited with. Yeah, he has, he did music for some games that never got retail soundtracks published. Ah. But this is a, this, he only did the vocal theme on the game that we're coming up on later. Okay. And that was the first thing he ever had published that VGMDB can link him to. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into some music then, uh, which actually we're starting with you, Pat. Yeah, I picked I picked a classic that actually I was surprised we hadn't had on the show before. Um, this is Climax Reasoning. It's from the end of disc one of the first Danganronpa soundtrack, though the melody gets reused um, through all games uh, in the trilogy, yeah, it's it's part of the uh, the second phase. If you're familiar with how the game works, climax reasoning is when you're putting all the pieces of the story together in this sort of uh, comic panel strip sort of sequence. Now, I I meant to ask you this before we recorded because um, I looked at the multiple track lists. Are we going with climax reasoning or closing argument? And why uh, yeah, are they sorry. two totally different names? Uh, yeah, it's. I think closing argument is probably the uh, iTunes localized official. Oh, is localized. that what it is? Okay. Climax reasoning was probably when this soundtrack first came out. Just what people translated it to in VGMDB and how it got populated on YouTube. Yeah, I mean sorry. it's fine. Like no, no. It, I mean I think it's worth mentioning both because you will see it listed both ways. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at this music on the internet. This happens with a lot of soundtracks, but definitely the Danganronpa trilogy. Um, almost every song, you're going to find two variants of the same title 
and one is just one person's translation, one is another person's translation. Right. But I think closing argument is the uh, the uh, official English title. Gotcha. Wow, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll just put both in the show notes, so why not? Um, okay, so after closing argument or climax reasoning, uh, Neil, you have your first song today. Okay, my first selection is Something Eroding, which is one of the boss themes in Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. All right, cool. Let's go listen to Climax Reasoning slash Closing Argument and Something Eroding.
All right, so I'm here to present my closing argument with some sound climax reasoning. I don't know what that means, um, but that nice was try, the, though. Yeah, thank you. That was my uh, that that was the first song you heard, and that is to me a classic from Masafumi Takata. Um, again, that's from the Danganronpa One soundtrack, but you will hear hear variants of that in all three games and probably also the Ultra Despair Girls side game. Um, It's a pretty well-known theme. What I like about it is it isn't as up-tempo or as intense as most of the other tracks that play during the trial. Um, In terms of the context of gameplay matching the music with with climax reasoning slash closing argument it's you already have all the pieces and you're putting them together and now it's being presented essentially as story there's really there's nothing time sensitive going on for you as the player so you can sort of breathe a little easier the music's still intense because you're talking about a murder being solved uh but the the slower tempo uh combined with what's still a very in tense uh driven synth melody plus so much decoration with the piano um and i think that's something we're going to find throughout these songs is takata if he wants to can just like decorate anything with a piano it doesn't have to be central but he'll just put it in there <laughs> against you know synths and strings and other things uh and vocals right he likes to use these these voice samples a great deal um, but I think the piano decoration on Closing Argument is probably my favorite thing about it. Um, I think for me as a pianist, I'm so used to, if I'm going to play piano or even hear piano, I need it to be front and center. And someone who can put it in the background, uh, not for comp like you would in jazz, but like as literally as decoration, um, the freely thing on the side, like it's, it's genius. He has a brilliant mind to combine instruments and make them effective. And uh, that is my closing argument. I mean, I think that was a really good way of describing it. It's it's a very fascinating song, the way it can... That it is, like, slower paced but intense. Like, that's, that's a really hard thing to, like, accomplish. I mean, to get all of that, both of those things, because they seem like they should be total opposites. Um, but it works. It works exactly the way you described it. Yeah, I think, you know, a couple months, maybe closer to a year ago, we did an episode on the the Phoenix Wright, or the Ace Attorney soundtracks, and there is a, a sort of similar need for a similar type of song um, throughout that series. And that series has different composers with different styles, but, um, you know, bringing an argument to a drawing it to a close in a way that's satisfying but still bittersweet because you're talking about solving a murder um, and determining who the murderer is Um, setting music to that is not easy and I would argue that actually with Ace Attorney some games did it better than others and and there's at least one where I think it didn't do very well but Takata really nails it in his own unique style here Patrick put it together really well um, I, 
I I was kind of surprised that um, uh, Pat went with this one instead of uh, the one from V3, which is like a faster, more housey version of it. Although I like how Pat talked about like how the piano kind of like is used differently here. And yeah, it, it's like, it's not quite an accom- accompaniment, but it's like this, uh, uh, it's like this icing on the cake. And uh, I, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool application of the instrument, I feel. Yeah, real quick, I, I had thought about doing um, the V3 version. Um, that one does sound really good, actually, like just thinking about it in my head. Um, but I wanted, I really wanted to go with the original, because when I think back on the first time I played Danganronpa and the first time I got to the end of the first trial, and I heard it, like, that moment for me was just like, oh, I had no idea this guy could do music this good. And I had, you know, prior to this, I had heard plenty of the Suda 5-1 stuff, but this, that song was a real eye-opener for me. So that I think that's why, you know, maybe it's just the impact of it for me, something of favoritism or something. But yeah, I wanted to go with the original. And that song reminds me of why I just loved his music when I first heard it. What I love is that his music is so multi-layered. And even though there's a lot going on in each layer, it all has a chance to breathe and it never feels overwhelming. It's almost like, you know, when you take a bite of something and then you taste something different every time. It's it's really great. Neil, you're exactly right. And I think, you know, that's actually a really good segue for um, your track that you chose for Cyber Sleuth. I, 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 you know, a lot of composers are good at layering, but they're often good at layering in the sense of they know what each instrument's role is and maybe they'll swap out like melody versus harmony here or there. But Takata's approach is completely different. At the end of the day, though, you still get a chance to really feel each voicing and each motif uh, as it goes. And even though it can feel so chaotic, there's actually a structure under it all, especially if you take the time to analyze it. So, you know, I think that was probably one of the best insights I've ever heard about this composer. So thank you, Neil. Definitely. All right. Are we ready to talk about something eroding? Uh, the song title, because I realized that actually re- weirdly works as a sentence. But <laughs> It really does. <laughs> because, see, something eroding is one of my all-time favorite boss themes it's a recurrent it's one of several boss themes in Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth and it's a recurring one for a special kind of boss called an eater. Basically in the context of the game the cyber world is spilling into the real world and everything's going chaotic and at those junctures where it spills over there are these manifestations of glitches called eaters. They're these gnarled zebra-striped eldritch abominations and the and the music it's got that dissonant dark wave synth serpentine nature to it 
it's dissonant, but also still catchy. It feels like something's wrong or not quite right, but it's like a traffic accident. You just can't take your attention away from it. And one thing I loved about this track and the Cyber Sleuth soundtrack overall is um, just the complex and varied use of percussion. Like, I feel like we were talking about the complexity of um, Takata's layering, whether we're talking the piano and the vocal, but I feel like his use of percussion is pretty amazing too. It does more than just provide a beat. It It's almost like its own voice, like the drums are almost speaking in a way. Yeah, I think Takata's percussion is, is very much its... It, yeah, it's more than rhythm. It is a voice of its own. And um, there's also a, a lot of interesting complexity if you study it, especially on this song. Um, there's definitely some examples of polyrhythm, like under, if you listen close enough. Um, and also, like, comparing, you know, the beats in which the melody is hitting versus what, uh, you know, one of the sort of more metallic drum hits is doing. And you're just like, oh, they're playing... They're, you know, they're countering, they're playing off one another. And I just want to give a special shout out to you, Neil, because um, I don't think, I, I think the Cyber Sleuth soundtrack would have flown under my radar forever. And I would have just never known about it or heard of it if it hadn't been for you writing that soundtrack review. Um, I don't really pay attention to anything Digimon. I know that this game was something of a breakout hit uh, compared to previous Digimon RPGs. But, um, man, uh, this soundtrack, so good. And I just want to thank you for, you know, calling my attention to it, Neil. Yeah, certainly. Like, you know, I had no idea what to expect from it when, uh, when I first volunteered to listen to it. So I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I'm actually looking forward to the game. And the game turned out to be insanely good as well. So win-win i guess yeah absolute win-win yeah you know i'd uh i guess the eaters didn't show up in a lot of screenshots of the release of the game because i'm looking it up now and uh i i see what you're talking about now like the the weirdly disconcerting music perfectly fits because these things are bizarre and like just weirdly unsettling and uh well i guess the way you described them makes sense because they look like they do not fit in this world at all like yeah, very strange. So, yeah, this this song is like perfect for whatever this is I'm looking at. Uh. <laughs> Geo, you're quiet over there. What do you What are you thinking? What are, What are your thoughts on this uh, very sort of not necessarily atonal, but very percussive battle theme? I haven't played it. I haven't played Digimon Services, and uh, I listened to this like a week ago. Um, it is like atonal. It's kind of hard to. Um, to grasp like what is going on sometimes in the melody and i think you know it makes sense based on neil's description of like the creatures that you fight so yeah i don't really have any thoughts on it yeah you gotta wonder if if they just showed a picture of these creatures to takata and were like imagine you had to fight this go and he just wrote <laughs> a killer song uh i can yeah. see it yeah all right well there's our first block uh, congratulations to our new people. You, you've made it through a third of the episode. Woohoo! Go team! Yes. 
Um, so our next block, I I usually usually don't try to put uh, people's songs like the same person's songs in the same block. And if I can help it, not back to back, but that's just how this one worked out because I really liked how this episode tracklist closes out. And all of that's to say that, Neil, your other song is next. So what are we going to now? All right. This song is called Welcome to This Wonderful Space, which is one of the first location themes in Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Oh, that sounds so peaceful. Is it going to be peaceful? Yes, it is. Sharp contrast to what we (laughs) just came from, from Eldritch Abominations and Murders. This is something totally different. See, there there is a method usually to my track list. I, I knew those last two songs worked together, and my thought is these next two also work together. So hopefully that's how it plays out for everyone else, too. Um, and then, Geo, you finally get your first song. So what are we starting with? Yeah, um, if uh, let me try to pronounce this in, in <laughs> French. But uh, La Fille au Chevou du Lan by... It's a cover of a Debussy song. Um, in English, it's The Girl with the Flaxen Hair, and it's from Flowers, Sun, and Rain. Well, that's definitely better than I could have done the French, so good job. Nice. So I am, I'm not going to attempt that, so instead I'm going to say that we're going to go listen to a song from Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth and a song from Flowers, Sun, and Rain.
So welcome to this wonderful space, plays. It's one of the first location themes you hear in Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. When you first enter the virtual world of Eden in the home hub. I like this track because it's inviting, it's comforting, and it's kind of homey. It kind of feels good because it seemed like the character and the friends he was talking, he or she were talking to were like almost felt more at home in the virtual world than the real world. And I feel like some many folks out there feel the same way. And another thing that gave me the homey feeling for this song was because the first chord, the initial chord progression reminded me of the bridge portion of the 1945 jazz standard autumn leaves but remixed like so yeah when i was taking bass guitar lessons as a teen my bass teacher had me experiment a lot with the song autumn leaves to reinforce my theory knowledge and expand my skills in creating effective bass lines and i feel like when something new reminds us of something familiar we're more open to it and uh, when the character was first like going into this brand new virtual world it just felt more inviting it's an interesting insight I i'm curious how other people felt like not everyone most people probably do not have that exact relationship with <laughs> what may have inspired or at least been has a similar sound to you know the, this older song so like you got this sense of home that in a way that maybe other people would not. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't know that prior to you saying that, Neil, that I would have thought of it as home. After hearing you say it, it's it's uh, ringing and resonating properly in my ears um, as something that could be that. Um, my first impression of this song was for different reasons. Uh, it kind of makes me think about being welcomed into something a little more exotic um like it doesn't it doesn't match the melody at all but in terms of um like theming and motif and uh concept it's kind of like when uh, dorothy and pals are first welcomed into the land of oz and there's just colors and insanity and things you've never seen before everywhere and there's that song uh in the merry old land of oz that's how this song makes me feel. <laughs> and I feel like that and that works too because because for the characters it is stepping into this you know brave new and unexpected world. Yes, absolutely. And I I I think even without having played the game, which again I haven't played it. Um that's that's how the song makes me feel. Again, you know, there's plenty of synth in this song. Um, so it's more like a 21st century or even 22nd century version of that experience. Um, but it's fun, you know? And it also kind of reminds me, again, with Danganronpa being a, a, a central focus point for me with Takata's work, um, it makes me think of some of the, like, happier songs, like when you're just exploring, like, hallways or in the second game, like, the beach territory and stuff. Like... Just like, oh yeah, stuff's going on. It's a little weird, it's a little wild, but it's certainly friendly enough. Yeah, and it's almost like coming back to that um, Wizard of Oz analogy. Yeah, it's 
maybe just a strange world at first, but eventually it started to feel familiar and almost like home for Dorothy. Absolutely. What about you, Gio? What do you think? So I said I hadn't played Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, but uh, I mean, I actually have. And this is like, I think this is the first song you hear. So I, I it does sound a bit familiar and it gives off like this kind of, um, I'm on the first floor of like this really, really slick little like building. And yeah, it's like a lobby theme. And um, it kind of reminds me of a Digimon World 3 in a way. It kind of has kind of has a similar vibe um yeah I, I like it it's really slick i think slick's a good word without a doubt just like your uh, sweet bass grooves neil <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I meant that with with no irony or sarcasm oh no people, i know people who have heard yeah those of us who have heard neil play we know what's up <laughs> you're too kind my friend wow speaking of slick pat <laughs> that's me baby <laughs> alright this is going somewhere strange <laughs> I'm not saying I don't welcome it but I was not expecting it that's all Takata's um, music does has that effect it seems I guess so I, I don't have a clue how to like segue this into Flower Sun and Rain so I think you should do it Pat since you got this started I'll just say that, you know, romance is in the air, right? Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, yeah, Gio, you picked uh, a really cool track from a really cool game, Flower, Sun, and Rain, which is actually uh, one of the few Suda 5-1 games that fits RPG fans' scope of coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And this is an interesting soundtrack because it's, uh, it's arrangements of classical work. And this song is Claude Debussy's Girl with Flaxen Hair. But instead of being a, an impressionist piano solo piece, it is something altogether different uh, when Masafumi Takata gets his hands on it. So, I, Gio, why'd you pick this song and, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I picked this one because I was like, you know, it's hard to pick with this album. Like, I was kind of weighing, uh, going with like a, a Gershwin cover, someone to watch over me, or uh, another DBC song, uh, Arabesque. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I went with this one because it kind of it kind of represents the the game better. It's like this uh, this arrangement makes the song really uh, mysterious. It has like a mysterious vibe and. Uh, it's uh, it's a song that's kind of slow to unfold, and as you get as you progress through the song, like uh, the you know the melody kind of emerges through like the the synthscape, like uh, when the piano um, I don't know how to describe it, like the, the piano when it when it comes out and it, it's so it's so so good. Um, it's like it's like a sun like the sunrise kind of emerging from the horizon, kind of. Um, and it kind I also want, I mean, I, I brought, I chose a Debussy song because like, I want to, you know, I think we talked about this earlier, but like Masafumi Takada kind of seems to love Claude Debussy. I think he, uh, uh, a lot of those songs, like Claire de Lune, 
and uh, arabesque kind of pop up in other debuts in other uh, soundtracks that Takada composed for and I'm not sure why that is I think he just really seems to love that composer so yeah it's yeah I really think this is probably the best song on the album and it's worth pointing out it's worth pointing out that um uh it's not all covers of classical music it's also there's a bunch of original songs in there and they're all really good too like the uh title theme with it has vocals and yeah it's it's pretty awesome i really recommend listening to that and also i kind of want to Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like you can kind of draw like a connection between Flower, Sun, and Rain, and like uh, his later work on Danganronpa, especially Danganronpa Two, because Danganronpa Two takes place on a tropical island like Flower, Sun, and Rain. And if you listen to the soundtrack, like he kind of takes elements from that, like uh, uh, the way, like uh, the synths and stuff. Like it's kind of similar vibe. I don't know. I don't know. I think, Pat, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, the synth instrumentation. Uh, there's a lot of intentional overlap. It, he probably. I don't know which one came first, but or which one he wrote for first during the development cycles of the two games. But you know, I don't think there's any question that that there's that one synth lead that is used really often in Danganronpa 2 for the environmental uh, music that I, in listening to Flower, Sun, and Rain. I can hear that same thing being used pretty often. Um, I also want to uh, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, I knew there were original tracks on there as well. I don't know what the uh, breakup is in terms of percentage original versus percentage arranged from classical, but I knew there were a lot of classical arranges on this soundtrack. But thank you for correcting me. Oh, yeah. And I'll admit... My familiarity with Flower, Sun, and Rain is minimal, but I definitely got that almost, like, Tropical Island vibe from it, from that song. Like, I felt like when it would swell loud and then get quiet again, it was almost, it felt like waves of water, like, crashing on the beach. But it wasn't just, you know, happy little waves, I mean... They were intense, like, okay, you know, something is not quite right in paradise. Oh, yeah, that nails it. <laughs> There's something really wrong with this island, so, yeah. You know, as someone, this is only vaguely related, but as someone who listens to a ridiculous amount of uh, relaxing, lo-fi, other related things on YouTube, compilation stuff, I don't feel like I've ever heard these ones pop into there. So uh, that's not really scientific research, me saying that these this soundtrack is not very well known, but uh, stuff like this would really fit well. Um, so it is surprising to me that I haven't like stumbled across it more. Um, and, and there's two soundtracks, and or the two albums grouped by like theme, because one is this one's from Water for Relaxing Time. And the other one is Shine for High Time, which tells me the other one might be a more upbeat album, or is that just a fun name? I don't really uh, like. I'd never really like felt like a theme in the album. I I don't really know how they're divided. I don't know. I don't know why there's like two albums or like there's two 
divisions. Um, I think that this, I don't know. I think it might be in order of um, when they uh, play in the story. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Patrick knows. I'd have to go look. My my gut instinct and old memory from when I was looking at the listings for the two albums, like uh, about a month ago, um, was that it was kind of like um, Napple Tales Illustrated Guide to the Fairies and Illustrated Guide to the Monsters. It was a nice way to stylize a soundtrack and put it into two releases instead of one. Uh, but the theming wasn't really significant in terms of the track selection. Okay. Yeah, like usually when I have a very specific uh, thought or question on this, I look at VGMDB and click on the little discuss tab and inevitably eventually see Pat who loved to comment on something like, you know, 12 years ago. But there is no <laughs> there is no VGMDB DB discussion on either of these. And the, that's, the that's two albums I didn't review them yet. <laughs> and the two albums were released 2 years apart, which is also strange. Now that that is strange. Yeah. Can we can we can we pause real quick and I can actually give you the answer in about 90 seconds? Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Amazing. All right. If you, I like that you have a time frame on that, but yeah, it shouldn't take more than, yeah. So. Forty-five seconds later. Uh, I have an answer. <laughs> okay. What do you got? Um, Water for Relaxing Time was basically going to be the only soundtrack released for Flower, Sun, and Rain when it came out. Um, but they didn't release an entire soundtrack. There were missing tracks. So, yeah, two years after the game first came out, um, Shine for High Time wasn't even released by King Records who had published the first soundtrack. It was um, an original publication from Grasshopper, Suda51's company, um, to get the rest of the songs out there. Oh, interesting. Oh. All right. Yeah, so basically Water wow. was uh, an incomplete soundtrack, and Shine was, hey, let's let's get the rest of the music out there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy when that happens. Yes, com- complete soundtracks are my thing. I'm all for it. You remember, like, what when Wild Arms soundtrack first came out in like '97, and it was like, "Oh, this music's so great," but it's like 40% of the soundtrack, and then they released a two-disc complete, and we were like, "Thank you." Oh shoot! Okay, yeah, that ex- I actually forgot about that because when uh, when we did our Wild Arms Shadow Hearts episode, I was looking at. I was comparing songs from Wild Arms to songs from Alter Code F, and I'm like, "Wow." The track list is strangely much longer in this one, so I must have had the original one disc version. Mm-hmm. That was probably it. Though Alter Code F did have new compositions as well. Yeah, but not 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 yeah like not three times as much music. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. I'm uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I'm definitely going to have to listen to more of this soundtrack because it's certainly not one that uh, I was really like attuned to back in. 2001 when this game came out but uh yeah yeah these are it's a really interesting and enjoyable arrangement so i would like to listen to more all right 
Are we ready for the final wave? That one that one prompted way more discussion than I was expecting, so that was fun. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the final wave. Um, yeah, I have some thoughts about our last track here, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we get to it. So, uh, Pat, what is your second song today? So I have chosen uh, a song from a game that some of you uh, English speakers might know as Vanguard Bandits published uh, by Working Designs, but its original title in Japan was Epica Stella, but it is a it is a mecha robot RPG, and most of the soundtrack is not written by Masafumi Takada, but there is an ending vocal theme that was written by Masafumi Takada, though not sung by him. It's a female vocalist. Uh, I don't know who it is. I'd have to go look it up. But you are going to be hearing the ending theme song for Epicastella, it's called Tomorrow to Start. What a great title. Um, and then, Geo, your second song today is? Uh, it's called, it's a bonus track from an album called The Silver Number no. 2 Plus Parade. It's an album of remixes and live tracks. It's, the song is called Hopper's Volume 1. All right. This, oh boy, I really enjoyed this song. I know I'm only here hosting and didn't bring songs, so I'm only sort of allowed to talk about them, but this was a fun one. And much longer than I normally uh, allow or recommend we bring on, but <laughs> because we have a shorter track list today, I figured it was a good good thing to end on. So uh, We're going we're gonna to broadcast this one in its entirety for the show? Yeah, I mean, unless, unless we cut just the first part, I don't know. I'm, I'm um, cool with the whole thing. No, I, I think we should keep it. Yeah. So, so yeah. these are. I, I'll, I'll explain later, but there's a reason why I picked this one. Okay. All right. Let's go listen to "Tomorrow to Start" and "Hopper's Volume One."
All right, and we're back. I know some of you guys are probably still recovering from that amazing track from the Silver Number 02 Plus Parade. But I want to call back a little further to this classic Japanese vocal track, Tomorrow to Start, the ending vocal theme for Epica Stella, known as Vanguard Bandits in North America. It's a vocal track from uh, singer Yukiko Manaka, though not really a singer. As far as we can tell, uh, voice acting is her main gig. Uh, so it's probably a character track from the game. Uh, that is a character from the game being asked to sing the game's ending theme, which is uh, very typical, especially for 90s JRPGs. Um, I think the thing I find most interesting is that this is the only song that Takata composed for. This is an early work of his. Uh, it goes back even further than Flower, Sun, and Rain. This is a PS1 RPG, late 90s. And in my opinion, it's it's not the, the world's most interesting vocal track. Uh, there's a lot better ones out there in this world. What is interesting is compared to the other songs we've listened to tonight, and this is some, this is a point I wanted to make earlier, but I think I failed to. One of my favorite things about a, a composer is when they are capable of demonstrating true versatility. And when you compare and contrast the different songs we've listened to up till now with this vocal track, as far as the instrumentation is concerned, it's like, Oh, like, could he do a standard ballad, or is, is Takata confined to the realm of the weird? And I think this song proves Masafumi Takata is, in fact, not confined to the realm of the weird, and uh, can actually do a pretty standard ending ballad for a game pretty spot on. And there's really not much more I want to say about it than that. <laughs> That's really why you brought it on. I'm dead serious. Okay, I'm, no, I mean, that, that's good. I'm amazed by how normal he can be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to him not being that. <laughs> okay, I did not know that that was your, your goal. I I enjoyed the song. It just it didn't stand out quite as much to me as things like other things of the time, like, you know, Lunar's vocals or something like that. Um, right, yeah. Compared to Lunar, it's just kind of like, eh. But I like that. I mean, I think that's a good point. Uh, it, it really does show some range in his work. So, I mean, I'm good with that. Well, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, relative to yeah the other songs we've been listening to and uh, Takata's body of work, this is definitely an underrated track of his. And I think Vanguard Bandits was a very underrated RPG. I mean, back when it came out, it it was under the looming shadow of like Final Fantasy Tactics and even Tactics Ogre, which were the strategy RPGs of the day. And I'll, and I played Vanguard Bandits and I was like, this game's really fun. It's, you know, why is it, why does everyone hate it so much? So I feel like, all right, hey, underrated song for an underrated game. And I think both are good. Yeah, I mean, it's been so long. I don't even remember what the consensus was on that game back then. Yeah, people either didn't like it or completely forgot about it. Oh, you reviewed it. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was, yeah, that was. Yeah, I think that was one of the first reviews I did before I even joined the yep. staff. You gave it an eighty-four, so not bad. <laughs> For me, I'd never really heard of this one until Pat posted the the song on the Trello, and um, I, it kind of blew me away because like I listened to a lot of um, uh, city pop or like vaporwave, so. Um, it's kind of in that vein, although it's a bit more, you know, ballady, and I don't know. I really like it. It kind of reminds me of like the soundtrack to Macross with Lin Min May, and I. It made me so interested in Vanguard Bandits that I, I bought it for, my for the Vita. Like um, I won the, the, the Staffel. <laughs> like the RPG fan staffo, and then I, I used that money to buy this game. So, yeah, it, I'm pretty excited to play it. I think this song is really cool. So, yeah. Nice. Well, see, that was an unexpected uh, consequence, Pat. Yeah, that's a great consequence. I think it's it's cool to get a lesser known name out there. Uh, it's, it's a cool, it's, I think it's a good game. Um, I don't think I've, valued the vocal track as as much as you did geo but i think comparing the style to like macross and yeah you had said city pop like yes most definitely that's what we're hearing and what's interesting is it reminded geo of macross yet the game itself is a mecha based game kind of like uh escaflone Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the art style does remind me of escaflone as well I, I'm not going to get too far into this, even though I, I like uh, speculating over this kind of stuff. But it's it's so weird to me that, you know, working designs has been you know gone for so long that this is a game you can still buy. I mean, it's like I think Sony published it like Sony somehow has the rights and they're the ones that released it. Right, Gio? Yeah. Um, yeah. But but why? Like, why? Why that? Like, why did the publishing fall to them on this? And what happened with the others like i mean of course i'm i'm mostly thinking about things like lunar and like other working designs things that kind of just have disappeared and who has the rights anymore so like it's bizarre to me that of all the working designs games like this is one of the ones that sony's like yeah we're gonna keep this available alundra was published on the eShop as well oh yeah is that also by sony I think it's listed as uh, Sony published. Okay. Yeah. All right. And the Ark the Lad games. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, some of the working design stuff makes it and some doesn't. And it doesn't. I don't know why. I know. It's weird. Okay. Sorry. I said I wasn't going to do too much of a tangent. I just like, I had to like get out, get that out of my head. I'm like, this is still a game you can get. Although, wait, can you now? Or is that cut off over for the Vita? I think you can still purchase and download, but I think, okay, yeah, it stops at PS3 and PS Vita. Okay, but the store is still up. It's not like the situation we have right now with 3DS and Wii U. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Just you can't play them on the newer ones. Yeah, which is a shame. They should get on that. Yeah, I know it can't be that hard to emulate PS1. Well, I mean, I assume if the PS3 has the power to emulate the PS1, that the four and the five probably could handle it too. Yeah, uh, should not be a problem. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm not sure where we really left off, but 
I, I assume we're done. Go forward, yeah. Yeah, we're done talking about that song. So let's talk about Hopper's Volume One. Yeah, I went with this one because it was like a way to cheat out like uh, two songs in one because technically it's two live tracks in one track. So uh, the first track is the Silver Case main theme, and it's like a really long, really epic rendition of it with a uh, uh, guitar like going wild and like cool things going on with like a, a voice generator or something in the middle. I really like it. It's awesome. And then the second one is a cover of a, no, it's a, it's a, not a cover. It's like a yeah performance of a matchmaker from uh, the 25th Ward, which is a sequel to the silver case that only came out here in the West in like, 2018 i think and so this is a cover of like the original version of the song which was like a mobile phone exclusive from 2005 so it's like nokia phones and stuff i've never i think i've heard the original version of it um and it's it's quite good for a mobile like you know it's supposed to be like played on a mobile phone it's it's quite good and so yeah i yeah i i wanted to make sure that we covered both the silver case and the 25th ward somehow. So this was the way to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's very clever of you. Yeah. It's tricky indeed. Mm. <laughs> I, I think this one actually bookends really well with Pat's first pick because it's another good example of his work where there are a lot of elements happening in this song all over each other and it's another thing where that should compete and it should get feel noisy, but it really doesn't. It all works and it's very impressive to me. Yeah, there's something about it that feels the whole way through. Like the whole way through, it feels it's this nice tension between uh, noisy and settled. And the metaphor that I'm going to use is not a food metaphor. It is hot tubs. You're in a hot tub. Uh. It feels nice and warm. You got the bubbles going, right? And the bubbles, that keeps, there's motion, right? So it's, it's not just still water, it's motion. But you're still calm, you're still soothed, smooth. That's how I feel about both portions of this song. And uh, is this a live, was this a live recording? Yeah, it was. Yeah, because there's, there's three different albums that you can find for the Silver Case. O1 is, the Silver O1 is the essentially the OST. Then there's an O2, I think it's called Destruction or Destructor, and that's an arrange album that I think is mostly studio arrange, whereas O2 Plus Parade is a live album. And, uh, yeah. Or at least this track is live from it, yeah? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with house music, yeah, you have stuff that's pre-programmed or you're using... Um, turntables or, or whatever you're doing uh, to keep it going but it's it's still impressive to be able to put out what they put out and keep it sounding so crisp and so professional just in terms of the recording quality you know for a live track and uh, I don't know the track's 12 minutes but I feel like the time flies by because it's just enjoyable yeah oh yeah truth well Neil, what's up? <laughs> yeah, again, everything you guys said about that about that song, I was thinking. I mean, it was epic. 
it had all these incredibly intricate layers that you think shouldn't go together but they do and to me it just encompasses everything we love about Masafumi Takada's compositions everything we've talked about and more it's just I don't know words can't necessarily express like how cool we think the music is but I feel like that track does it it's everything Uh, I like it yeah it was a darn good pick, Geo. Thanks for cleverly s- slipping two songs in one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that that was our show today. Um, I know, like I said early on, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who wasn't super familiar with a lot of this person's work. Um, you know, I knew I know some of this today, but I definitely didn't know things like Flower, Sun, and Rain. So I know for me, along with I'm sure a lot of listeners, that this was very educational and very entertaining. So uh, I think we all have a lot of things to go listen to after this, because I would like to check out more more of these soundtracks. In the meantime, uh, we should wrap up this show, though. Um, coming next, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we thought it would be really fun to do a Castlevania episode with Halloween coming. So we're doing a... Is it long-awaited? I don't know. I've been wanting to do it for a while, so at least for me, Castlevania was long-awaited. Let's say, let's say overdue. Overdue, yeah. Actually, actually, both of the next episodes are probably considered overdue. So episode 95 will be Castlevania-based, and following that with episode 96 is a and also overdue episode with Pokemon. We've definitely had many Pokemon songs on over the years, but we've never done a full episode for it. So I'm looking forward to that one. I am looking forward to that one, too. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah. Same. I did not need much convincing to get people on that one. I feel like people joined that one very quickly. It's like, oh, yes, I would like to talk about that. So that's going to be fun. Um, If you have thoughts on this episode, on our future episodes, uh, on Castlevania, Pokemon, like whatever you want to talk about, uh, you can email us, email the show at music at rpgfan.com. If you'd like to email me personally, you can get to me at mike at rpgfan.com. Pat, what's the best way for people to contact you? I keep my DMs open, so you can contact me publicly or privately on Twitter, at Gameadactyl. That's Game, the letter O, and Dactyl. It's always the same, and I'm always entertained by it. (laughs) Um, How can people reach you, Neil? Neil, C-H, at RPGFan.com. That's N-E-A-L-C-H, or I'm Neil, C-H, RPGFan, and on the Discord. Awesome. And how about you, Gio? I'm on Twitter. You can find me at 10bstar, T-E-N-B-I star. Or you can email me at G-O-C. Oh, no, 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 wait. No, no, no. It's G-O. It's just, there's no C, if I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's G-I-O at rbgfan.com. Gotcha. All right, cool. So also, if you enjoy this episode, be sure to also check out RPG Fan's other shows every other Monday alternating with Rhythm Encounter is our general and current RPG news podcast, which is Random Encounter. And then running every Thursday is... I enjoy all of our podcasts, but I think I have to admit that Retro Encounter is probably our star podcast because it is definitely the most popular and the most prolific. And that's for good reason, because 
Solosi and everyone else who contributes to that show puts out a great episode every week on old games and other stuff in between. So let's see when this goes up. Uh, well, they'll just post an episode on the secret of monkey Island and they're in the middle of a adventure game month right now. So there'll be a few more episodes on adventure games coming out through the rest of October. So definitely look forward to that. There's some good stuff in the works. If you would like to uh, help support our show, uh, we would appreciate if you could review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you listen, review, subscribe, thumbs up, share, you know, get the word out. Whatever you can do, we appreciate it. And now we really come to the end and we have a bonus track, which I typically give it to a new person. Uh, we have two new people to the show today, so I had to pick one. Uh, Geo. Even though you you technically already brought three songs on with your last track, um, <laughs> you're still doing a bonus track. So what, what are we closing out with? Yeah, so it's this one's from Danganronpa V3. It's called Despair Searching. It's got that uh, noiry vibe. It's kind of sim. It kind of is similar to the Silver Case in a in a way. Um, yeah, everyone knows like part the a big part of Danganronpa is about um, like trying to figure out who the killer is. So this is like the kind of like the perfect soundtrack to that i think i think it's my favorite of all the ones of all the versions that exist so yeah i hope you guys enjoy that one. Oh yeah i mean i listened like last week when you shared it with us and i did it's an awesome song to end on all right we're gonna go close out with uh despair searching from danganronpa v3 thank you everyone for listening and all of you three thank you for being here and our two new people uh good job on your first time yay
You know, it, it occurs to me that I'm recording with like three of like the most tenured people in RPG fan right now. Aww. Yeah, we we have been around like pre-2000. Yeah, right. But uh, just because we've been here a long time, I mean, forget about all that. Um, you know, your, uh, your contributions show that you know your just as well as any of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I definitely heard that wrong. I definitely, at first, thought you said the most tender people. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that too. Like, you are very tender. Well, just because, like, you, Pat and Neil, you guys are just so, like, complimentary towards each other tonight. It's very it's very heartwarming. So. 